Hello, loyal listeners. This is Dr. Rob, and you're listening to the Haskell Doctor's Quick and Dirty Tips of Taking Charge of Your Health. Today's podcast is part two of my series on asthma. If you haven't already done so, listen to my last podcast, which talked about the basics of asthma. And basically, this one takes off where the other one stopped, so it's not going to sound very complete without knowing the other one. As I said in my last podcast, asthma is a long-term disease that can occasionally get dangerous, very dangerous. In this podcast, I'm going to discuss those dangers, what to do when things get bad, and how to prevent them from getting bad in the first place. Most of the time, the symptoms of asthma are cough, shortness of breath, and maybe some wheezing. But there are times when things get real bad. These are episodes where the wheezing gets so bad that it's hard to breathe at all. The episodes are known as asthma attacks, or the Latin folks would call it status asthmaticus. An asthma attack happens when the airway narrowing gets severe. In this condition, a person can't get air out of their lungs to get rid of the carbon dioxide and also can't get enough oxygen in. Initially, the person compensates for this by breathing faster, but eventually, two really bad things can happen. First, the tired muscles cause the breathing to slow down, resulting in less oxygen and more carbon dioxide in the blood. Second, the high levels of carbon dioxide in the blood can actually make the person get sleepy, slowing the breathing down even more. Eventually, this vicious cycle will kill if it's not treated emergently. So, how is asthma treated? Since this problem is in the tubes that supply air to the lungs, most medication is delivered directly to the lungs. There are two ways to do this, through an inhaler or through a nebulizer, which is a machine that turns the medication into a mist. The nebulizer is generally used when a person has bad enough symptoms that taking a deep breath is difficult. There are two main types of inhaled medications, medications that reduce airway spasms and medications that reduce airway inflammation. The medications that reduce spasm are called bronchodilators. Because these medications are related to adrenaline, they can make the heart race and make the person feel shaky. Albuterol is the most common medication in this class. But relaxing the muscles only does half the job. The underlying problem is actually inflammation, which is caused by the white blood cells in the airways releasing substances that cause swelling of the bronchi. The main medications to use to treat inflammation are steroids. No, I'm not talking about the kind of steroids that make you big and burly. I'm talking about the steroids like cortisone that are given to reduce inflammation. That's just like the cortisone that you put on a skin rash to reduce the redness and swelling, except it's given to the lungs and inhaled. When a person is really sick with asthma, they're given oral or even intravenous steroids to quickly help the asthma. These medications are really strong, but they also have significant side effects, so they should only be given when necessary. Obviously, a person dying from asthma doesn't worry about side effects. But the ultimate goal is to prevent asthma attacks altogether. The rule of thumb is that people who use a bronchodilator like albuterol more than twice a week, or those who wake up with asthma symptoms at night more than twice a month, should be put on preventive therapy. This is really important because even people who have mild, persistent symptoms are just as likely to die from asthma as those with severe symptoms. This is really, really important, so I'm going to restate it. If you need a bronchodilator more than twice a week, or if you wake up more than twice a month with symptoms, your asthma could kill you. Get it treated. Don't ignore it. I'm not joking.
Another way to prevent asthma is to avoid triggers. Avoiding triggers should be the first step of prevention. If you have asthma, you should avoid doing the following. Smoking cigarettes. If you smoke and have asthma, please stop. Smoking asthmaticus are like that guy who came into my office and said, Doc, it really hurts me when I hit my hand with this hammer. What should I do? Stop hitting yourself with a hammer. The next trigger is secondhand smoke. Children of people who smoke are at increased risk of developing asthma and at increased risk of going to the hospital with it. You shouldn't hit your kid with a hammer either. The next triggers are old pal allergies. For those who have asthma related to allergies, avoiding the allergen, the thing that causes the allergy, is the best strategy. If you're allergic to cats and have asthma, you should probably get rid of Fluffy. Dust mites and molds are common allergens and can be reduced by taking certain measures around the house. Special air filters like HEPA filters can remove pollen from the indoors and reduce asthma symptoms, although when you step outside, you don't have any of that benefit. And finally, allergy shots can reduce allergy symptoms, but it isn't clear if that actually helps prevent asthma attacks. And then there's pollution. Cities with bad pollution problems have high asthma rates. If you live in such a place and have asthma, pay attention to the air quality reports. Additionally, exercise can trigger asthma. But if a person has symptoms when they exercise, I don't recommend avoiding exercise altogether or even reducing it. It's really common for asthmatics to do this, but it shouldn't happen. I don't consider asthma under control unless a person has no limitations on activity. If asthma limits you, get treatment. So what about medications to prevent asthma attacks? Inhaled steroids are the mainstay of preventive medications. Since they're inhaled and act mainly on the lining of the bronchi, they have far fewer side effects than those taken by mouth or intravenously. Someone who's prone to have asthma attacks can greatly reduce their chance of having one by using inhaled steroids on a daily basis. Again, they're safe enough to use every day. There are also prescription allergy pills that reduce inflammation, and there are actually long-acting bronchodilators. Both of these medications can reduce asthma severity and maybe even prevent attacks. Talk to your doctor to see which medication is best for you. (laughs) That sounds like a TV commercial. I'd better go on to my quick and dirty tips. Tip number one, look for the signs. If you have persistent cough, unexplained shortness of breath with exercise, or episodes of wheezing, see your doctor and find out if you have asthma. Remember, intermittent symptoms could make your diagnosis tricky. Tip two, take asthma seriously. Remember that asthma can be fatal. Fatal's not good. If you have asthma that gives symptoms more than twice a week or wakes you up more than twice a month, visit your doctor and ask about preventive medication. Pay close attention to the symptoms and look for signs of worsening. There are even some devices called peak flow meters that measure how quickly you can exhale. Talk to your doctor about this. The earlier you can catch an asthma attack, the less likely it will end up being serious. Tip number three, have a plan. Any asthmatic with more than mild symptoms should have a plan of action for worsening of symptoms. When do you increase your medications? When do you take oral steroids? When do you visit your doctor? When do you go to the hospital? All of these questions should be addressed in an asthma plan. And tip number four, when in doubt, get evaluated. It's always better to react early than late. The tragedy of asthma-related deaths is that they're nearly always preventable. Don't be afraid of what the doctor or nurses will think. Be afraid of asthma. That's it. 
Believe it or not, there's actually more, but this is Quick and Dirty Tips, not 60 Minutes. If you have questions you want answered, send them to housecalldoctor at quickunderdetips.com or call area code 206-337-5895. You can find me on Twitter at housecalldoc or on Facebook under housecalldoctor. Please, 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 people are sending me specific medical conditions for their medical problems. That's not my job. That's your doctor's job. Don't forget to visit my blog, Musings of a Distractible Mind at distractible.org. Remember, let me remind you that this podcast is for informational purposes only. My goal is to add to your medical knowledge and translate some of the weird medical stuff you hear so that when you go to your doctor, your visits will be more fruitful. I don't intend to replace your doctor. He or she is the one you should always consult about your own medical condition. Catch you next time. Stay healthy.